y'all. I'm Allie Spears, and this is Ag Chicks, where we dig deep with the women who are helping to feed the world. Episode 2, Amanda Radke. So excited to sit down with Amanda Radke for today's episode. And Amanda is an ag speaker, beef blogger, author, businesswoman, and so, so, so much more. Um, Amanda, if you would not mind telling us a little bit about yourself to get things started today. Sure. Well, thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, just like so many women in agriculture, I wear a lot of hats. Uh, so first and, and primary, I'm a mom of four. And uh, my husband, Tyler, and I are uh, raising limousine and Manningju cattle here on our South Dakota ranch. Uh, and then in my egg communications career, I write for Beef Magazine. I do a blog every week uh, called Beef Daily. And then I run a um online boutique, uh, essentially to sell my children's books along with, you know, farm toys and farm themed t-shirts and things like that. Yeah. And so kind of going back to how you grew up, did you grow up in agriculture or was that kind of something that happened later in life? Yeah, I did. So we lived just a half a mile from my mom and dad. And right before we, uh, Tyler and I got married in 2010, we had been on like a huge acreage hunt trying to find a place to live. And I went to my uh, final dress fitting for before the wedding. And I said to my mom, man, if the neighbors to the north would just sell their acreage, it would be like our dream place. And that night they called and said they were moving to town and wanted to know if they want, if we wanted to buy their baler. I said, no, we want to buy like the whole thing. Uh, so I always say it was kind of God at work meant to be that, you know, we were going to be here and, you know, seeing it kind of come full full circle here, you know, we're not only just raising cattle, but, you know, the kids here and, and we're also foster parents and seeing how perfect of a place it is to bring kids here and they get to, you know, explore nature and, and find healing on the ranch. It really feels like almost like that was the purpose, you know, God had in mind when he made this place kind of open up for us. Yeah. And I feel like even just kind of recently, I mean, I've always been religious and everything, but recently I feel like the whole God whisper thing is so true in life. And the fact that things are really just put, like there is a greater plan and things are put in your path for a reason and things happen for a reason. So how cool that that just all unfolded perfectly, really. Yeah, absolutely. And also the fact that you guys, first of all, are so gracious to open your home to foster children and be able to afford them that kind of experience to where obviously you're educating them on agriculture in a way and helping them um, kind of reestablish their lives. But then um, also I'm sure they impact your families just as much as well. Yeah. I mean, it definitely changes the way you look at the world and and take things for granted. So, I mean, we live in a, just an old farmhouse, nothing special. And one of our foster daughters said to us one time, like you guys live in the most beautiful castle. And it just really puts things into perspective that, you know, what you think is like maybe ordinary, someone else sees is like the greatest blessing. And so, yeah, I think we've really grown in our faith through this experience and, and also just, um, realize maybe what's important. And for us, you know, lots of family time being on the ranch, taking care of our land and our livestock. That's kind of just like peak for us and and what we're all about. Yeah, absolutely. And switching roles a little bit, as far as telling your story and telling your ranching story and agriculture story, where did all of that come from as far as public speaking and kind of getting involved in that? Sure. 
Um, well, I, I was active in 4-H and FFA and uh, the Beef Ambassador Program, which was a checkoff program at the time. And so did a lot of consumer events and public speaking that way. Um, and I had actually intended to study political science at college. And I moved to Washington, D.C. for a summer. And I had an internship with USDA. And I checked into my dorm room and met my roommate for the summer. And she was a vegetarian from New Jersey uh, who had given up meat because she was convinced, you know, every rancher was abusing their animals. And that summer and that experience and getting to know, you know, her perspective, you know, from a person that lived in an urban area and had formed, you know, a really strong opinion about agriculture. And I was the first farmer she'd ever met. Um, it kind of made me switch gears. I, I changed my major to ag communications and knew I wanted to, you know, work in the space of, of telling agricultural stories. Yeah. And she did eat beef by the end of the summer too. That's so. what I was going to ask. Did she change her mind? <laughs> she did. She did. So that's, it doesn't always happen that way, but thankfully in that, it would have been a very long summer, her thinking that I'm such a terrible person. So. Right. Oh my goodness, that's too funny. But, uh, but again, just to, goes to show you that you honestly have no idea where some of these ideas come from and how people get these misconceptions and where they start. Right. And what I realized was, you know, she genuinely cared about animals and in her mind, you know, the animals weren't being taken care of. And so what I found in, you know, 15 years of traveling and talking to consumers and trying to coach producers and, and what to say is that we really have to focus on our shared values. And we all go to the grocery store. We all want to select foods that we feel good about and that, you know, our families will enjoy. And so I think our shared values are animal welfare, the environment, food safety, nutrition, taste, and then budget. And if we can feel good about those areas and, um, you know, kind of alleviate some of the misconceptions and the lies and, you know, the fear mongering and the guilt that's out there in the mainstream, you know, narrative, I think that's where we can find our common ground and really make those strong connections. Right. And I agree. I think at the end of the day, we all, both sides, all sides really do want the same thing. It's just mm -hmm. that middle ground of misinformation and confusion that, and fear right. that leads to the, <laughs> the downfall of everything. Yeah. For you getting into agriculture communications, what did that look like as far as career-wise in job market, job search? Sure. Uh, so I graduated from college in 2009, and that was uh, right in the heart of a recession and kind of where we're headed again now, I'm afraid. Um, so I've talked to a lot of college kids this past year about how, you know, these challenging times will really shape the way they view the world, you know, 10 years down the road. And it, and it certainly did for me as well. Um, but so there were no jobs available. You didn't ask your classmates, you know, what are you doing after graduation? Because chances are they were moving home with mom and dad because there just was nothing out there. Um, but that's kind of how my freelance business was born because nobody could hire full-time, but everyone wanted contract work. And so I was young and single and you know, no kids. And I said yes to every single job out there. Mm -hmm. And that enabled me to move back home to the ranch and have that cash flow um, and just kind of start building my, my platform and my business from there. And so, yeah, that's one of the things I talk about so often is I think there's great opportunities and great challenges in challenging times. And, and the people that, you know, will find success are the ones that are willing to, you know, be innovative or think outside the box or do something 
you know, that sets them apart, you know, at a time where maybe they could be really sad and, and worried and, and stressed out, if that makes sense. <laughs> and I'm glad that you bring it up in that way, because I agree. I think things are um, challenging at the time. And um, with so much of our world moving towards social media, communications and all of that, I think it's it's a little bit scary for what the outcome could be as far as job markets here in the next couple of years. So i like you said, opportunities can come out of that yeah. if you're um, willing to push outside the envelope a little bit. Yeah. And a great example I should share of that is, you know, like last spring during the, you know, height of the pandemic, when, you know, there was toilet paper shortages and there wasn't meat and dairy on the shelves and people were, you know, stockpiling. Um, that was a time where one of my friends who had a labeled beef business, I mean, she truly had her best year ever because she would park her beef cart out in the Walmart parking lot and she'd have a line out of the parking lot for people wanting to buy her beef because there was none in the stores. And not only did that like tricky, weird time for everybody, you know, give her a business opportunity, but she also got to make such valuable relationships, you know, when people were really needing her. And so she got to answer questions about beef and, you know, make these strong connections. And, and now people truly, I think that trend is moving that way where people want to connect with a local producer and be able to be able to ask them questions and support them, but also, you know, fill their freezers full of meat for, you know, the next time that there might be a shortage in the grocery store. Exactly. I think it's given everybody kind of an alternative way to look at things and really think about where is our food coming from and who are the people producing our food. So if anything good came out of COVID, hopefully that can definitely be yes. one bright light. <laughs> right. Hopefully we can keep that momentum going. Absolutely. And so, uh, kind of touching on that, you get to interact with people of all different wavelengths on a pretty common, um, common schedule, I'm assuming. Where do you find your best connection comes from as far as kind of connecting with general consumers who may not know anything about agriculture? Sure. You know, I think everybody's approach to connecting with consumers is going to be entirely different. And I always tell people just to be like absolutely authentically you and you're going to make connections outside of, you know, just our agricultural bubble. And so on social media, when I'm talking about foster care or, um, you know, we ended up homeschooling our kids this year or um, talking about just other interests that I have, whether it's fashion or whatever, it brings new people into my, you know, sphere of influence. And then we can talk about cows or beef or farming too, because they say, oh, hey, you know, we have this shared interest, but you also know about, you know, beef. So can I ask you about beef? And I feel like that's where those organic um, connections start happening. And you, um, so an example of this is uh, in foster care, we get really close to the birth parents and uh, the packing plants here in South Dakota were closing down last year because of, you know, outbreaks. Uh, or COVID outbreaks. And I get a text from our birth mom. She had just went and bought a bunch of meat at the grocery store. And she was debating whether she needed to throw it away because she was worried about, you know, contamination 
nutrition in the meat. And so then we got to talk about, you know, food safety and using a meat thermometer and, you know, how heat kills, you know, pathogens and things like that. But I never would have been able to make that connection with her had I not, you know, had a relationship with her due to, you know, something entirely different outside of agriculture. And the same thing happened when Tiger King came out on Netflix. And, you know, it was like the most random thing. I, one of my buddies I met um, when I was traveling like 10 years ago in New York City, and we've kept in touch all these years. Well, there was two tigers in the Bronx Zoo that got COVID and was in the news, you know, during this Tiger King craze. Uh, and he texts me and says, should I be nervous about my dog and cat, you know, getting COVID? And, and so then I was talking to veterinarians and, you know, trying to learn as much as I could about, you know, human to people transfer and all these unknowns that we didn't really understand or, you know, really have the information on at that time. Um, but yeah, Tiger King, who would have thought that a stupid Netflix show would lead to, you know, conversations about, you know, livestock and animal health and human health and things like that. Right. And I think sometimes when we're talking to people about agriculture, that's not necessarily where those connections are going to come from. It's going to be those random, like, tiger thing, tiger king situation where this episode is brought to you by shopify forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to shopify the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell with shopify you'll harness the same intuitive features trusted apps and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The unrelated. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, I think it's a, it's a balance because, you know, our, our passion is agriculture. So you want to get out there on social media and, you know, beat the drum every day about, you know, your passion in agriculture. But I feel like sometimes, you know, getting to share interesting tidbits totally outside that sphere um, really does kind of bring new new people to to your platforms and, and allows for those organic discussions to happen, which is really what we are all striving to do. Exactly. And agriculture advocacy is not always an easy thing to put yourself out there, especially with all of the crazy anti-ag groups that are going on and constantly spamming things and all of that. But why is it so important for you to continue to kind of be an advocate in this industry? Yeah. Um, well, first, I guess I'd like to encourage everyone to, you know, when you're dealing with trolls, because that can be so hard. I feel like my old mentality used to be just tough it up, you know, tough it out, Who have thick skin. It's fine. Um, but it seems like as things have progressed and social media has gotten more divisive and more negative and more polarizing, I've had to set some very careful boundaries just to keep my mental health safe. And so my default on social media is to be kind and factual, no matter what. I don't, you know, debate the trolls. I don't engage with them. I just get my message out there and try to appeal to, you know, the general public that just might be reading and not even commenting. They might just be observing what's happening um, on my platform. Um, and then two, if it gets to be violent or threatening, or, you know, I've had animal rights activists comment on my kids' photos before. Um, and so then when you feel, you know, unsafe, 
I don't feel guilty anymore about blocking and deleting because, you know, we have to protect ourselves first and foremost, or we won't be able to be strong advocates in the future. Um, so saying all that, not to scare people off, but just to say, it's okay to say, this is, this is beyond what I'm comfortable in and I'm going to protect myself. Um, but also I think, you know, if we're not out in the public square talking about agriculture slowly, but surely um, more and more farmers are going to go out of business because there's ballot initiatives and uh, regulatory measures coming down the pike that are going to make it more expensive for us to stay in business. They're going to raise the prices of groceries. And in turn, you know, we're going to strip, you know, people off the land and, and you know, food products off the dinner table. And um, so ultimately, I think that's where we can create allies with our consumers and the voting public, because they too are impacted by these regulations that hurt agriculturalists. And so, you know, if I want my kids or grandkids to be involved in agriculture, it just sadly is one of the hats I have to wear, even though I'd much prefer to go outside and ignore the crazy world you know, <laughs> around me. I just, you know, be with my cows. That uh, That's what we, I think we'd all like to do is just be in agriculture, not worry about uh, what society thinks about us. But the reality is, is, is we've got to have society on our team in order for us to, you know, stay relevant and, and stay in business. Right. That's such an important point. And I think, you just kind of touched on it. It's important to stay true to yourself through all of that. And it's so easy to get into, caught into the comparing game and the highlight reel of social media and all of that. Um, but you're definitely somebody who is unapologetically you on social media and it shows up in that way. But I think also sometimes that may, like we just talked about, come with some backlash or things that may not be positive. Um, and when we're in this type of situation in this industry where there are such opposing views in politics and regulations and all of that kind of stuff, what helps you stay motivated and really feel like you can be that voice when other people are not? Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that I've kind of learned over time is to give everything the 24 hour rule because it seems like there's our news cycle is so fast yes. that like, and, and it feels like when you're a social media, you know, public profile or, or as someone that speaks out on issues, there's this like unwritten pressure to respond to every single thing. Mm -hmm. And I've learned, you know, sometimes, okay, the news cycle wants me to have an emotional response to this. I'm going to just sit, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to, um, you know, contrast what's happening in the news and, um, you know, really reflect on it from my biblical viewpoint and like my spiritual viewpoint and like what is most meaningful for me to speak out on. And then, you know, once I've gathered enough information to, you know, feel like I have an educated opinion, I will speak out. And then, you know, knowing that, okay, it's, it's aligned with my faith, it's aligned with my values and it's aligned with what I think is right. Then I feel like I have the courage to be bold about it because I've taken the time to really reflect upon it. And so sometimes, you know, we see social media trends on Instagram where everybody's posting the exact same thing on the same day. And oftentimes I wonder, do people even know why they're posting this or did they understand, you know, maybe some of the hidden agendas behind, you know, XYZ trend. And so I've found sometimes when my first instinct was to post, it was better that I just, you know, stepped back and observed and studied before I really, you know, spoke out on any issue. So maybe I guess pick and choose your battles and then stand strong and, you know, what battle you're willing to fight. Yeah, I think that's really important advice and really 
you know, wise advice, especially because like you said, everything, it feels like every day, sometimes every hour, there's a new thing coming out and you feel like you have to be (laughs) if you want to continue to have a platform. Um, So I think that's really good to just take a step back sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Um, Completely switching gears. So outside of of your agriculture advocacy, um, you're also a businesswoman. You touched a little bit about it in the beginning as far as your um, children's books and online boutique and everything. Where did all of that come from? How did all that start? Sure. Uh, So I have four titles right now with a few more on the way this year that I'm really excited about. Uh, But I started in 2011 with a book called Levi's Lost Calf. And back then I just really started noticing that there weren't a lot of agriculturally accurate children's books on the shelves. Um, And, you know, even the very popular pioneer woman came out with the Charlie the Ranch Dog series, which is adorable, but you know, she made the personality, the dog and instead of, you know, the ranchers. And I said, no, I want the farmer and the rancher to be the star of the show. And I don't want to put human characteristics on animals. And so I've been really strict about that rule in the books that I write um, and really highlighting the the men and women and, and the kids and the families that are part of feeding the world. And, and so, um, Yeah, I have a publishing company that I own with my illustrator, Michelle Weber, that's called Egg Storytellers. And now we team up with commodity groups to share their stories. And so we've worked with uh, peanut farmers, beef producers, a soil health coalition, and it's just been really fun to be able to share their stories. Um, And so the new books that I have coming out this year, one will be on beef nutrition and and how it fuels athletes and, and active kids. And then the second one will be about out of the bond we have with with our animals in in a way that's appropriate and not you know this is like a member of the family if that makes sense yeah and that's awesome because I think that there is a lot of times where youth is well actually I heard this before I can't remember who said it but youth is agriculture's biggest commodity and the fact that they're going to be the next generation so getting that little seed planted even in the young minds is is really important so Mm -hmm. i I love that you're doing it in a creative spin on it as well and i always say it's it's countering the disney effect because that's how every animal is portrayed in every disney movie every cartoon and so i really want to help um, promote egg literacy teach kids where their food comes from and really help raise the next generation of empowered and informed consumers and and it's a tall task considering there's more and more getting presented into the public schools these days that's totally counter to that you know uh, like the meatless Monday push is really huge in the schools right now and you know kids if you just give up a cheeseburger you know you're gonna solve climate change and so it's a huge task and I encourage anybody, Uh, that has a local school district that's willing and um, welcoming to you coming in and reading a book or doing a farm tour to to reach out and start having those conversations in your communities as well. Right. And sometimes, like you said, community, your own community locally is the best place to start. It doesn't have to be a big grand thing. Yeah, absolutely. So for you as someone who is well-versed in lots of different aspects of the agricultural industry, what is maybe some advice you would give to somebody starting out um, wanting to get into one of these different facets? 
Yeah, I think decide, you know, which tract of agriculture is your greatest passion and then become an expert in it. Uh, so I don't I don't pretend to be an expert in every single thing in agriculture. It's such a vast in large industry um, and I know cattle. And so um, I don't apologize that, you know, that's my area of expertise. But then at the same token, when people think of beef, you know, hopefully they think, hey, I'll ask Amanda about it. Um, so find your passion, your expertise, you know, something that that really lights your you know soul on fire and and just start writing about it, talking about it, sharing your stories um, and, and building your platform and, and your audience and, and the things that you already, you know, would really enjoy talking about it every day. And it can, you know, kind of evolve over time too and, and grow and expand or change. So you're not stuck in cement. Uh, you can, you can change your passions and, and have things, you know, kind of grow as you grow too. I love that. I think that's excellent advice um, for anyone or honestly, somebody even already in the industry who's just kind of looking for the next step or phase, whatever, whatever that may be. So Amanda, we are running close on time here. So we're going to move into the rapid fire questions if you're ready for those. <laughs> so, I don't know if I'm ready, but let's do it. <laughs> but the first question is, if you could live anywhere, where would that be? Um, right where I'm at. I love I love our ranch and, and uh, just love the, the views and the rolling pastures and the, the cattle. So I'm, I'm very content right here. I had a feeling that was going to be your answer for that one, but I, I would probably say the same thing. Um, yeah. If you, this one's weird, but if you were to have a boat, what would you name it? Oh man. Um, well, I do have a boat. It doesn't have a name and now I think it does need, need a name, <laughs> uh, but I'd probably, I'd probably call it like just uh, the clunker because it's broke down most of the time and we're not doing too much uh, fishing or recreation with it uh, in parts in the shed. <laughs> <laughs> you have to paddle back in every time you guys take it out situation. Yes. <laughs> And then the last question is, what is your most used emoji? Oh, man. Um, probably, well, these days, the way things are, like, I feel like some days just the news where like we live in like clown world where everything's upside down. So I'm either using like the crying laughing emoji or just the crying emoji. Just <laughs> one of those. Just like, what is happening? And right. <laughs> how do I balance this with just my quiet life in, in South Dakota? Uh, yes, I definitely hear you on that one and can relate to you on that one. Well, Amanda, I want to thank you for your time today. I really appreciated you taking time out of your busy schedule and sitting down and chatting with me. Um, what are some ways people can connect with you if they're wanting to get more information? Sure. Um, well, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I also have a personal website, amandaradke.com. And then my blog is at beefmagazine.com. Awesome. Well, Amanda, thank you. And um, I really, like I said, I appreciate you sitting down with us. I think you bring a, a fresh, different perspective to things. So thank you for all of the work that you're doing. And I can't wait to see more things unfold from you. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. This was so much fun. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ag Chicks. Don't forget to follow along on social media at Ag Chicks on Instagram and Facebook and that every episode has a visual version on YouTube on the Ag Chicks channel.